0: To the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, June 5th. I think I speak for tennis fans everywhere when I say the news from around the tennis world, not on the top of our priority lists over these past couple of days. Of course, all of us still continuing to grapple with the coronavirus global pandemic and how it has impacted each of our daily lives, our routines, our work, just, you know, all sorts of life, of course, in the midst of that. Um, But then also over these past 10 days, of course, the response to the tragic and unnecessary killing of George Floyd, the protests that have emerged since that, uh, there's no denying that tennis has taken a backseat, and justifiably so, because the fights for, you know, the fights against racial injustice, the fights against inequality, the fights for ensuring equality for all, justice for all, those take precedent, of course, uh, over following the news day in, day out at tennis. Now, we here at Cracked Rackets all week long have tried our best to provide all of you tennis fans some sort of outlet you can turn to, uh, just in case the stresses of day-to-day life, you know, every everything going on in the real world uh, because it started to overwhelm you and you wanted to just escape into your tennis community. Of course, that's what we try to do here at Crack Rackets uh, is, you know, help all of us who are members of the Tennis community come together and you know, regardless of our various backgrounds or our varying views, uh, remind all of us that we have more in common than we do that separates us. And so, you know, if we have been able to provide any of you places, a pl- uh, any of you fans, a place to turn to, then we have done our job here this week. Uh, but of course, we completely understand again these issues, the fight for uh, social justice and equality, uh, far more important than the fight to talk about what is going on in professional tennis. Uh, but of course. That's that's what we do here at the Mini Break Podcast, and so going into this weekend, what I wanted to do for all of you listeners, and again, it's been a great week of Mini Break Podcast for us. We've had, you know, JC Aragoni, uh, Jay Berger, Carousel, Max Rothman. For me, you know, I'm four for four all week long, and so I figured I would wrap up the week with a lighter pod, a shorter pod, but just to let all of you tennis fans out there know that there are so many exhibition events going on around the globe right now, and there are a lot of uh, exhibition events on the horizon as well that we can can all start to get excited for, because no, the ATP, the WTA, the ITF still suspended uh, through at least the start of August, but we are starting to see our favorite pro players return to the court, and again, is the exhibition format the ideal format? No, no one would say that. I think we all are itching for even an ATP 250 or 500 at this point, uh, let alone anything else, but uh, it, it is certainly going to be nice to see our top players return to the court again, feel some sort of sense of normalcy uh, returning to to all of us as tennis fans. So I want to give all of you an update on where we are at exhibition-wise. Of course, we got to hear from Rafael Nadal yesterday, so I want to talk about what he was saying and the insights it shared into when we are going to see, if at all, the return of professional tennis. Uh, And then again, just share a little bit of some fun things for all of us to read as we head into the weekend. Of course, the reason we are able to do all of this here at the mini break day in, day out. It's because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports. And for more than 20 years, Midwest Sports has served as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers, so you probably know all about them. Maybe you didn't know, although I'm sure you do, that they offer a comprehensive selection of fast-shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match and have one of the largest in-stock inventories of tennis equipment online, with tens of thousands of products available for shipping directly from their automated warehouse to your front door. They value Invasion and have personally tailored their products to highlight your skills on the court, whatever they may be. And, you know, maybe you don't know what it is you need on the court. I know I am home this weekend, my little brother graduating high school. And I know he, uh, you know, him, me, my older brother, we're going to go hit. And I can tell you my older brother, Eric, he's lost on the court up there. He could certainly use an equipment update. And I told him, hey, you should call the well-trained staff at Midwest Sports because, you know, I like to think of myself an expert, but Eric, your tennis game is too far lost for me. So you should call them and ask them to help you get that perfect racket, perfect shoe, or perfect pair of tennis clothing that is sure to put you out of the competition, Eric, because you could use all the help that you could get. And you know what he did? He called them and he's got a new racket, new shoes on the way. And of course, the reason he can do that is because their selections of equipment consistently first to market and they pride themselves in stocking their tennis warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. I mentioned earlier this week the can of tennis balls we're going to be hitting with, uh, also supplied via Midwest Sports because I used our promo code when I bought my most recent pair of shoes, CR15. And not only did I get 15% off my order, not only did I get free two day shipping since the order exceeded $75. but I got that free can of tennis balls as well to help me over the top. And it ensured that I had everything I needed as I made my return to the tennis court. And you all can have the same by going to MidwestSports.com using that promo code CR 15. You'll get 15% off. You'll let them know that we sent you there. Uh, again, if you want to learn anything more about what's going on, what they're offering at MidwestSports.com, check out the podcast. I did this week on the great shot podcast feed with Midwest sports buyer and product manager, Dave Limke. But again, we are so grateful for the support they give us here at Crack Rackets. The least we can do is ask that you all support them as well. So go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, let them know that we sent you there. All right. With that being said, let's get into today's news and just the news heading into the weekend. And again, you know, who have I been turning to all week, really all quarantine long? Who have I think have, you know, there have been so many journalists who have done. I keep saying, you know, you all know this, right? You hear from me every day. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Anyways, I'm going to tell you some things maybe you don't know yet. That is the purpose of these podcasts, right? Anyways, that's a nice little opening tangent for you. all. show you I'm back in my basement frame of mind. This is where I would say the first 70% of Cracked Rackets podcasts happen. I feel like I'm in my natural environment, so there may be an additional tangent or two for all of you today. Of course, it's also a Friday. I'm feeling loose. I'm ready to get into my weekend. I'm very excited to make the return again safely healthily, to the tennis court. And if you're in a region where you can't do that, please listen to your local officials. Defer to them. They have your best interest in mind. Uh, but I know here where I am that I can get back out on the tennis court, and I cannot tell you enough how much I am looking forward to whooping my little brother's ass once again. Anyways, because, you know, I feel like I've stayed in better shape during this quarantine that he ha- than he has, even though he is a senior in high school, and my you know, metabolism not nearly at the height that it once was. Anyways, You came here for the tennis news, not news on my metabolism, so let's get to that right now. Uh, Let's start with, again, one of my favorite uh, journalists, a guy who I think has been on top of every story throughout this quarantine, uh, Christopher Clary, who was on a Zoom press conference call yesterday with a bunch of other journalists as well, but they were listening to the quotes of the one and only Rafael Nadal to ask him about the state of things, the state, you know, this I think this week right now, this weekend would be the championship weekend uh, at the French Open, and certainly you know, if we've learned anything over the past 15 years, is that this championship weekend, more likely than not, uh, would have involved Rafael Nadal. And so, you know, they were asking him about where he's at right now and if he is ready to return uh, to the tour. And again, this article called Rafael Nadal, Not Yet Ready to Travel for U.S. Open, written by Christopher Clare. You can find it at the New York Times. I don't want to give away the writing, but I do want to say it's fantastic writing. But I do want to talk about some of the quotes Rafael on uh, offered. He was asked whether he's, you know, ready to travel to New York to play the U.S. Open, and he said, well, it is not an ideal situation, so honestly, no. He said, if you ask me today if I want to travel today to New York to play a tennis tournament, I will say no, I will not. And he says, in a couple of months, I don't know how the situation is going to improve. Hopefully, it's going to improve the right way, and I'm sure the people who organize the event, the USTA, want a safe event, same like the French Federation. And of course, Rafa, again, he goes on and on to speak of this. He says, I'm confident uh, they, they," meaning the USDA, will make the right decision in the right moment to make sure if the tournament is played, it will be in safe circumstances. If not, in my opinion, it doesn't make sense. And of course, you know, Nadal Sardet, if one of those safe circumstances means playing without fans, he says, if the situation is not... Uh, allowing to play with fans like everybody. I will adapt. Uh, but of course, I hope that the situation improves, and I really hope we will be able to play with fans very, very soon uh, because tennis and sport without the fans loses almost every single thing. I hope you guys enjoyed my Rafa impersonation there very, very soon. Uh, you know, that's how he would have said that. Um, but again, of course, on the video conference, he talks about a uh, numerous amount of things. He talks about whether he would play both the U.S. Open and the French Open because right now, you know, in the tentative schedule, they'd only be separated by two weeks. And he says, look, we will make decisions thinking about what we believe will be best for my tennis, best for my future, best for my body. And he continues to say, you know, it's a worldwide tour. We need to be clear. We need to be responsible. We need to be sending a strong message and we need to be positive example for the society. We need to understand we are suffering, uh, suffering an unprecedented situation. And my feeling is, meaning Rafa, we need to come back when all the players from all the countries of the world are able to travel and in safe circumstances he says, you know, he might have to compromise on that principle and probably will play if the tour restarts. But he says, but my feeling uh, will be that we are not being 100% correct, and I want to see my sport being 100% fair and correct, especially under these circumstances. And again, this is the sentiment, and this is me talking now, by the way. No more Rafa quotes. Everything from here on in is going to be me unless stated otherwise. Um, Yeah, that's the biggest concern we've said for months now with the international nature of the sport it's not just you know when you're playing an event like World Team Tennis which is mostly American players I don't want to say all but mostly American players or you're playing these local exhibition events where you know you talk about things like the uh, UTR Tennis Series you know those were all people who had been in America for the duration of this quarantine you talk about what's going on at More to Lose Academy or what's going on you know in Alba with Djokovic and what's going on all these various regional exhibition events, they're just that, they're regional. And so certainly regionally, you know, the coronavirus seems to uh, affect different regions in different ways. And there are still travel restrictions between countries. There are still regions of the world that are more severely impacted, a lot of them being here in the United States, by the way, than elsewhere around the globe. And so, yeah, there are a lot of logistical challenges Rafa speaks to. And honestly, in an article, Oh, from earlier in the week, Chris sort of uh, Chris Clary of the New York Times. I called him Chris. I don't know him on a first name basis. Chris, if you listen to this podcast, you know you have an open seat because we talk about your writing so frequently. And I, you know, this is a little shameless lobbying. I apologize, fans, but it's time to have him on the podcast. I will do all I can moving forward to ensure that that happens. But you know, he goes on in his speech because there have been rumors going on that. Um, You know, the USTA is imploring the Western and Southern Open to be held in New York uh, beforehand. So they're going to do a little two-tournament bubble in New York, right? Get players to arrive two weeks in advance, keep them all there, quarantine them there, uh, have them play their first event, and then have them go from that right into the US Open. And I just want to say... you know, I have I don't wanna say behind the scenes, but I have talked to people around the Western and Southern Open and obviously that is an event held in Cincinnati. To be more specific, it's held in Mason, Ohio. Under no circumstances do the uh, tournament directors and the executives of the Western and Southern Open want that to happen. Now, do I think they are more in favor of playing their event than not playing it as well? Of course. And do I think compromise will be the ultimate solution to all of these questions facing tennis? Well, it's going to have to be if we want to see professional-sanctioned events return in 2020. But I can tell you right now, the pushback from Cincinnati, under no circumstances do they want their event to be played in New York. They want to play in Ohio. They want to play on their stadium court. And, you know, you can understand why, of course, they do. They want control of their facility. They want control of the tournament. Once you go to the USTA Billie Jean King National Tennis Center, it becomes a USTA event. Yes, it would still be Western and Southern in title, uh, but they would no longer have the autonomy, I suppose, that they are used to as an event. And so, you know, just a little bit uh, from what I'm hearing is that, yes, they would ultimately be willing to compromise if that's the only solution, but they are not going to pull the pin on playing these events back-to-back in New York unless they absolutely have to. And keep in mind, it was only a few weeks ago that the U.S. Open, it was being uh, spoken of that it was going to move to Indian Wells or is going to move to Miami for a year. And again, I think what we learn more and more of is that the USDA doesn't want that to happen, is that New York doesn't want that to happen, is that they want to keep the U.S. open where it is, and if anything, accentuate uh, the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center even more so than possible. But To get back to my larger point, uh, in his article, which again called U.S. Open Could Go On with a Two-Tournament Bubble in New York, um, written by Christopher Clary of the New York Times, excuse me, apologize for that big um, that one felt a little bit bigger than usual, and again, I'm back in my natural quarters, so I suppose some of my earlier instincts in the podcast are taking over since I'm back in my parents' basement recording. Anyways, Christopher Clary talks about the sort of logistical challenges facing all of these uh, tournaments as they begin to try and organize and, you know, put together sanctioned events once more on tour. And there are things, you know, even beyond the logistics of the prize money, although we did start to learn some details about what the prize money would look like given the compromised state of if there are no fans, if the revenue the tournaments are producing are less, how does it impact the players? And I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, they talk about, again, what are the things that would have to be executed to ensure that you could pull off a two-tournament we uh, two tournament bubble in New York? And it was testing. And, you know, stadium workers and players and staff and all of these officials would have to be tested. And right now, that's a difficult thing to do, you know, to uh, organize and... Uh, assemble that amount of tests and ensure that players are consistently getting tested and ensure that they do all stay quarantined and that they do all stay in a bubble and again when you talk about the NBA which is announced it's coming back 22 teams in Orlando that's so different than tennis because a lot of those teams have been you know they've been together they've been staying in their area they didn't go home Uh, it's just a much more you know it's your team it's a condensed it's a group I, I suppose it's you know there are just so many different entities because again of the international nature of the sport because of how many different circumstances all these different players are coming from. Uh, It's not as easy to silo off an entire team of tennis players, even though it's fewer people, I suppose, than it is to silo off an entire basketball team because you you need the entire basketball team to perform the game, I suppose. You can have a tournament without certain players. And so, again, it's just a vastly different... It's not as easy as quarantine. And just the resources available to the NBA as well, that's the big thing, obviously, much more so than tennis. And it's just... It's easier to coordinate when you, again, have teams and team officials and all these things and to coordinate amongst all these individual entities in tennis. There are more individual entities playing, uh, you know, the U.S. Open than there are individual entities playing in a 22-team tournament. In a 22-team tournament, there are 22 teams in a, you know... A US Open Draw, there are 128 different teams. Even if it's fewer individual people, it's still so many different circumstances. Anyways, so testing, one of the things they'd have to do. And by the way, if someone tests positive, what does that stop the event? Does that person just get kicked out of the event? What's the result of that? What are the contingency plans? All things that still need to be worked out. You know, what are the rules and events? Is it going to be a condensed draw? Is it still going to be a long draw? Are they going to have chair umpires? Are they not going to have chair umpires? I certainly imagine they will not have have ball boys moving forward, and that makes a lot of sense, because why uh, put that uh, potential to be exposed, whether it be a player or a ball kid by a player, just more people touching the balls, you want as few of that as possible, I suppose, at this point. Of course, will there be different sets of balls for each player to serve with? Will players be required to wear gloves? Will they be required, uh, you know, to handle their all own towels? Will it be reduced from best of five sets to best of three sets to reduce the injury risk? Uh, these are all, again, things to discuss. And what are they going to do with the venues? What are they going to do with the cameras? If there are no fans in tennis, what's that going to look like? Oh, and also, by the way, what if players decide not to play? What if, as we heard, Rafa's like, you know what? I'm not comfortable traveling to New York. I'm not comfortable playing these events at this point, so I'm going to sit out. How does that impact the tour? If enough top players sit out, do they even hold the event? Will they try and hold the event? You know, sans Federer, sans Nadal. I just have this feeling Djokovic would be playing, but... Would they be willing to do that? And, you know, of course, if they do, players immediately are going to be like, well, there's an asterisk next to this title for whoever wins it. And, you know, the, you know, tennis doesn't want any of that, of course. And then again, the size of the field, what is that going to look like? How many people can be brought by the players? Can they bring their physio? Can they bring their coach? Can they bring their hitting partner? Can they bring their nutritionist? Or are these tournaments going to ask them to limit the size of the teams they bring? Uh, these are all questions that, again, partially addressed in Chris Clary's article, but all questions that need to be... Answered clearly, and you know, the ATP, the ITF, the WTA have been working on finding solutions for those questions uh, since the quarantine began. But of course, we will until they have definitive and you know. Uh, definitive affirmative affirmative might not be the right word but definitive answers I suppose to those questions uh, it's unlikely that we're going to see any sort of tournament attempt to be executed uh, but so those are you know the biggest news stories heading into the event and of course the other questions again uh, these are from John Wertheim by the way a tweet from him who we've had on the show John Wertheim who I'm sure many of you know for his work with Sports Illustrated with 60 Minutes uh, you can go on and on and on But the questions are, A, you know, which stars have you consulted? Which, if any, have committed to playing? Which government officials have consulted? And does the tournament have the authority, again, to withdraw a player? These are just some of the questions out there, some of the other ones, again, in terms of getting into the prize money. John Wertheim reported that he's hearing that the U.S. Open is going to award 95% of the 2019 prize money despite a potential 60% loss of revenue, men's and women's two-time draws reduced, Uh, qualies, mixed doubles, juniors, and wheelchair tennis all in jeopardy as well. Uh, So again, what he's saying here, that field goes from 128 to 64 is what the U.S. Open is uh, suggesting. No qualies, no mixed doubles, no juniors, no wheelchair tennis. Uh, again, they just want to play something, and so even if that means compromising loot dropping off other events and of course, that will be upsetting because there are so many players who would be impacted by that. Think about that no wheelchair I imagine the majority of wheelchair tennis uh, happens at the major uh, you know the the major uh, earnings, uh, moments, the time for, you know, the U S open wheelchair champion is going to make his most money or at a grand slam or a wheelchair tennis player, like any tennis player is going to find the most money at the slams. And so, you know, that's a, it's an entire, uh, Economy, I suppose, of wheelchair tennis players impacted by this and, you know, no junior events you can live without, no qualies. Think about all of those players ranked 200 to, you know, who you fight your ass off and I'm sorry for swearing there, but you literally, you know, you are fighting all season long to put yourself in a position where if you are a lower ranked player, you just make Grand Slam qualies and then maybe you can go on this dream run and qualify for a main draw. Not only do you get the points benefit from that, but the prize money differences, again, just making a first round round at one major that can make the world that can you can literally you know cover all of your expenses for the season just by doing that by losing first round of a major and qualifying for that major to have those opportunities stripped uh, for players ranked outside the top 100 you know maybe even have those opportunities stripped for players ranked outside the top 64 again that is potentially devastating to so many tennis players but these are the sort of compromises that have to be made if we want to see any form of live sanctioned event tennis this year and so again these are all the storylines we will be continuing to monitor. Of course, if you are into exhibition tennis, there has never been a better time. To be a fan of the sport because whether it's the Grand Slam tennis tours, top notch tennis tours, match play series, where today, you know, players like Jamie Loeb, Caroline Dalahide facing off Torpegard versus JJ Wolf, Ulysses Blanche versus Mackie McDonald. I believe yesterday it was Nakashima versus Stevie Johnson. Uh, There are so many great matches being played right now Alejandro Tabilo versus JC Aragoni. You can go on and on and on. Uh, There is Kalinskaya versus Shelby Rogers. A ton of great matches there. You can find all of those again. Go to their Twitter. Uh, you can also go to grandslamtennistours.com to find the link and to where you can watch those live streams as well as the schedule uh, moving forward. Because I know there are a bunch of more fun matches still scheduled there. And of course, top notch uh, are friends there. So, you know, always happy to give them a little bit of support as well. Of course, there's also tennis going on in Spain right now, a tournament in Valencia going on Friday. Alex Dimonauer, Paulo Andohar, Carreno Busta, Roberto Bautista, Agut, all in action. Those are four really fun players that I know I would enjoy watching. And so certainly for all of you fans out there, you can go check that out. Um, I believe those matches started today as well. And then the big tours moving forward hasn't started yet, but the Adria Tennis Tour, which I believe is happening in Belgrade, Novak Djokovic's event. He's gotten commitments from him, you know, himself, Team Zverev, Dimitrov, Chorich, Chilic, Troisky, Lajovic, Filip Krajanovic. Uh, I'm all in on that. And they had offered a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars, tickets, by the way, for fans to attend that event, trying to limit the crowd. They sold out those thousand tickets in an hour. And just like that, they announced they would release another 1,000 tickets for the two days and follow, of course, the recommended safety uh, precautions and all the things. But $1,000, sorry, 1,000 tickets, not in under an hour, 1,000 tickets sold in seven minutes. People say tennis is dying as a sport. I don't know, man. Seven minutes for 1,000 tickets? Yes, it's Belgrade. Yes, it's Djokovic, and he's never going to be more popular than he is there, But that's awesome. That deserves a swear word. I apologize, Westhoff. But that's just, that's unbelievable. And so, again, that shows the demand for tennis is there. People are desperate for sporting events. And, you know, again, safety and health first. They shouldn't be giving out more tickets unless they're absolutely positive that they can uh, ensure the safety and health. And, I mean, you know... To a degree of, I suppose, a certainty, because you can never a hundred percent guarantee something like that. But you know, it's not. It should never get to a place where, oh, we sold a thousand. Let's sell another thousand for those same days, because clearly the demand is there. Look, the profit's going to have to be less for all. You know, the revenue you're going to produce for all these tournaments is going to be uh, less moving forward. But let's take solace in the fact that we can have these events. Let's not get greedy. Let's not have a problem where one doesn't need to be there. Of course, again, though, that speaks to the urgency right now for people who are just desperate to see tennis return. Um, And again, another cool thing from that event, it sounds like it's not just going to be men, but it's going to be women as well. Uh, And I know some of the names are still underway. They're still working to try and get some of those names, but I believe they announced that Yelena Yankovic is going to be playing. And I know we all miss her as a, um, obviously a top-notch professional, so we all look forward to seeing her back on the court, and so many other names as well, of course, in Kitzbühel, uh, Dominic Team committed for another event, by the way, he's uh, he's committed to the Kitzbühel event, it's going to be him, Berrettini, Monfils, Rublev, Hachinov, George, Novak, that starts July 7th to the 11th, one more player to be announced a little bit later. Of course, Patrick Mortalou. His UTS Ultimate Tennis Showdown series will begin soon as well. That's players such as Stefano Tsitsipas, FAA. I believe Dominic Team's committed to that as well. And I know I'm stealing too many carrioles joke here, but it's good to see. uh, You know, Dominic Team, even if it's only exhibitions, he's got to keep his schedule as rig, you know, as full as possible because that's just how he rolls. Uh, And so, shout out to Dominic Team again for his job. uh, His job. Shout out to I should say Patrick Mortalou for getting that going again. UTS. It's going to be really fun as well. And again, these aren't the only ones. Uh, there are so many other exhibition events popping up around the globe. We ourselves have our Cracked Rackets open this weekend. And no, it's not any of the biggest celebrities from the tennis world, not the biggest personalities or names, but I know for a lot of college tennis players who just miss having opportunities to compete and, you know, to have ra- uh, get reps in match play-wise, uh, they are excited for this event as well. So, you know, exhibitions everywhere, folks, uh, from Cracked Rackets all the way on through So that would be, you know, for all of us, obviously, we are excited for that. I do say, I will say, in a bit of, uh, you know, uh, I suppose negative news, uh, this year's version of the BNP Paribas Luxembourg Open will not take place. Uh, it would have been the 25th anniversary, but unfortunately that the recommendations uh, concerning the new rules by the WTA for the 2020 edition does not allow the event to organize this year's tournaments with a clear conscience and in alignment with your expectations. The regulations regarding safety and hygiene make it impossible for them to hold an event that would adhere to these conditions. So again do I appreciate them take, do, taking the safe route of course it needs to be said tournaments you know the obvious financial incentive there is for their them to risk it is to just you know play an event even if you minimize your revenue just make some sort of money for this season put yourself on the board as you head into 2021 and you know they're doing the responsible thing the safe thing so shout out to the BNP Perry Luxembourg open team for doing just that uh, all right, a couple of other things before we go, and then we will wrap today's podcast because it's the weekend. I want all of you to head into your weekend and have some fun. This stat from at Anna K. Forever. We've talked so much about the player relief funds. We've talked with so many players, JC Aragoni, earlier this week about the disparity in pay equity between players depending on their rankings. A hundred three male players earned two million plus in prize money since this from 2016 to 2019, averaging 500k plus per season. Here is breaking down the ranks. Uh, those players by their highest rank in singles during that period of the players who made 2 million plus prize money 29 of the 103 ranked 1 through 10 19 of the 103 11 through 20 37 of the uh, 103 21 through 50 so again some quick math here i believe 9 plus 7 is 60 so 66 plus 19 that's going to be 85 of those 103 Top 50 players. 85 of the 103 players who made over 2 million over the past, again, 2 million not in a single season, but 2 million plus dollars over the past four years. 83 of those players. We're top 50. You know, it was only, I believe, 18 of those players. Um, wait, I feel like that math has to be wrong. So 83. Uh, wait, how is that? How did I butcher that? Let's see. It's 37 plus 19. Sorry, this is live math for all of you. 56. 56 plus 29 is 100% 85. I'm positive I'm right on this math. I think we're just missing a player or two. Anyways, you know, only 18 players uh, 18, oh, that's where I – no, no, no. I was right. Only 18 players. Again, crisis in math. I apologize for all of you. It's true that I must be at my parents' house if I'm struggling with math once again, although I used to be pretty good at math back in the day. But again, story for another time. Um, you have to be top 50 to make a comfortable living in this sport. That is something that we have learned more and more of. And sure, if you're top 75, you will get by uh, – I would say, fine, top 75 to be comfortable. You know, if you're top 100, a you're worrying about, am I going to fall out of the top 100? And the second you do, you're not playing ATP 250 level events. You're playing challengers again, and the financial struggles become real once more. Uh, but that speaks to the significant again pay equity issues, the financial incongruity between what goes on at the challenger level and the future level, and what goes on at the top of the game. So appreciate at Anna K. Forever for offering those stats up to us. I will say, um, you know, again, we've talked about it all week. I know for all of you as we end. you know, just to end today's show, uh, there's more going on in the world right now than tennis news, and so you know, I'm sure all of us have seen the protests going on surrounding the tragic death, uh, you know, killing, I should say, of George Floyd. And you know, the uh, Tumani Kariel for the Guardian wrote a piece on we have seen so many young tennis players, you know, step up, use their platform to seek social justice and social equality, and do the most amount of good that they can. And you know, he wrote about uh, Naomi Osaka and Coco Goff who perhaps have been the two. Most notable players to uh, to you know speak out in this moment to put their face uh, out there and put their words out there and their actions out there as well because they're attending protests and supporting uh, the cause with their resources. You know, everyone says put your money where your mouth is, or that's what Osaka and Goff are doing. And so Tumani Kariel writes about the two of them. They're speaking on George Floyd's killing and why you know that we have such two amazing prominent young female athletes in our sport, uh, why it's such a you know positive sign for the game moving forward and the incredible work the two of them are doing to highlight again the social injustice and inequality that exists, uh, particularly in the policing, uh, particularly in policing in the United States. and so you know, a fantastic piece from Tumaini. As always, I know he went on the No Challenges Remaining podcast uh, to discuss the article with Ben and Courtney. Does that make me a little upset? Of course it does. But, um, you know, for Tumaini, uh, just one of the best writers in the game. I thought he so succinctly and accurately put uh, the importance of having people like Goff and Osaka representing our sport. And so I think that is a piece that all of us can enjoy. So go read that at The Guardian. Again, Osaka and Goff should not be discouraged from their protest is the title of Peace, uh, and then again, I just want to say, you know, lastly, my heart is with all of those workers at Tennis Canada uh, who, today, unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, were cut or laid off uh, in the moment, just because financially, again, every tennis organization is feeling it. Uh, but Tennis Canada does some outstanding work, whether it's through their player development, obviously the event they have as the Rogers Cup, all the Challengers, Futures events they put on, but also some of those members of the media, you know, Mike McIntyre, uh, Ben Lewis, two of our brothers here at the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. And I know they have so many uh, fellow employees who have been impacted by this. And so our heart is with all of them. And of course, all of those people influenced, are impacted right now by this global pandemic. Uh, but again, our goal here at Cracked Rackets is to provide all of you some sort of outlet where you can get away from the stresses of day-to-day life, you know, get absorbed into the tennis world. And so, If you have missed any of our content and you need to do just that, be sure to check out our website, uh, crackrackets.com. Uh, in terms of the podcast, Cracked Interviews podcast, Rockin' and Rollin'. This week it was Jada Hart of UCLA, the All-American in singles and doubles, as well as the defending Olympic gold medalist in singles, uh, as well as someone who has been a top player throughout her time playing tennis juniors uh, through the professionals. Monica Pui uh, on the Cracked Interviews podcast as well. And You can find that one, by the way, in video form. Uh, and you believe me, you want to see how nervous I was for that Pui podcast for obvious reasons. So go check out our YouTube channel. We're Super Producer Daniel West stuff, continues to kill it, overserved, hit hit-and-one, CR classics, you name it, great content on there, he kills it, and you know who else kills it? He and super producer Max Fliegner, uh, because they have a (coughs) of an ending job to do every day, day in, day out, and they never cease to do it, so shout out to the two of them. Uh, Again, great shot podcast-wise, you want to hear more uh, from Midwest Sports buyer and product manager Dave Limke, uh, go check that out. You can also hear from former ATP CEO Mark Miles, Sports Business Journal's Brett McCormick, again, about some of the further nuances of the business uh, of the impact of the coronavirus on the business of tennis and then you know of course this mini break podcast the inside out podcast again like rate subscribe review share with your friends shout out to our friends at midwest sports for their continued support go to midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 get 15 off your order also go to aerobar.com let our friends at aerobar know how much you enjoy their getting to the point mini break episodes jay berger michael russell our first two guests it doesn't get much better than that and so go to Aerobar.com bar.com use that promo code cracked 15 uh, get yourself ready get the sort of supply you need to get the right nutrition before you make your return uh, to the court but with that being said for our wonderful super producers max flinger and daniel westoff our friends at both midwest sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say folks that's the break and we hope you all have a wonderful weekend and we will see you next week thanks everyone the tip of the talent